As the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted so much of our former lives, students, teachers, and parents were among the most challenged. And those upheavals underscored the critical importance of highly secure distance learning with a collaboration platform that can scale and evolve with the fast-changing needs of this new paradigm in education. This is Kevin Delaney for Cisco TechBeat. With a new school season upon us, I turn to Christine Olmsted, Associate Superintendent of Educational Services for the Orange County Department of Education, and to Mary Schlegelmilch, a former teacher and school administrator who is now Cisco's U.S. Public Sector Education Advisor. Together, they offer solid advice for successfully navigating the current challenges in education while preparing for what promises to be an exciting future post-pandemic, one in which digital technologies blend with traditional learning to provide a more individualized, equitable, and creatively stimulating learning environment. And for additional perspective, we've included insights from Reg Johnson, who leads Cisco's education practice for Australia and New Zealand, and Wendy Mars, president of Cisco's Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Russia region. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So wonderful to have you, Mary and Christine. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially Christine. You have a lot going on with the new school year. Um, As with remote work, the pandemic has forced us into a massive global experiment in online learning. Schools scrambled to meet the needs of students and teachers as they scaled their virtual capabilities in an amazingly short time. Christine, from your experience, what are some initial successes and shortcomings from the past few months that you could highlight? And also, you know, we'll get into more about how they can be applied to the new school year. One of the greatest successes we've seen is the amount of connectedness um, our educators have had with their students and their families, and also trying out new technology. So there were a lot of things our teachers may have been trained in with how to integrate uh, technology into the classroom. But sometimes you just kind of go with what you know. And so taking a risk and incorporating those technology pieces might not always happen. Um, But this kind of made us do that. Video conferencing had to happen, right? So we needed to still get some face-to-face interaction with our students. And so they took the opportunity to kind of use video conferencing to reimagine the classroom and still have that connectedness we know that kids need with their teacher. So I'd say that was one of the biggest successes. I think one of the shortcomings was uh, just how quickly we had to to scale this. Um, And the, the amount of need we still see we need for professional learning for our educators. And I think that's been highlighted through this pandemic is the investment we really do need to make in the professional learning of our educators. And Mary, this represented a massive scaling up to virtual, as Christine just said. How prepared were we at Cisco from a technical perspective? Very prepared. This is what Cisco does best, especially our public sector team is able to step in, step up, and how do we help our customers with their needs And and in this this case, we help them both in the teaching and learning side with collaboration tools such as WebEx and our security portfolio, but also with the remote work side when we enabled their essential workers in the school districts to work from home with VPN, security, and the collaboration tools. Providing free WebEx and free security tools for our customers as they 
as the pandemic was, um, you know, happening in March and April and, and it really helping them scale um, allowed our customers to, to be the workforce that they needed, especially what we've seen in public sector and, and especially education. And Christine, the digital divide is one of the many inequalities that have been exposed by the pandemic. Um, how was that exposed in the education space and what can we do to help close it for students? Yeah, I would say the biggest place that we've seen the divide is in just access to devices and access to um, wireless internet capabilities. And so we, our, our districts in Orange County have done an, a phenomenal job of making sure that students have devices and not only just a device to use, but also a hotspot to use. Um, but where we see a lot of the inequality still is if we look at California as an entire state, um, our remote and rural areas have a really hard time still connecting. And so that's a big inequality. Um, we also saw inequalities, not just for students, but for the teachers for, who serve, serve those students. And so one of the things we saw just overnight was that you had to get every teacher a laptop. You had to get the teachers the tools to be able to actually teach from home. And so knowing how tough it was just to even get all of our teachers the equipment they needed, um, getting the students that equipment was just another layer that we had to consider as well. If we say we truly care about all kids, we need to make sure that we're using universal design for learning approaches to make sure that all kids are served well where they're at with the tools that they need and not having to jump through hoops to get tested for services and supports. It's that we have those services and supports in place no matter what your eligibility is. And Mary, feel free to share your thoughts as well, especially considering Cisco's commitment to bridging the digital divide. I think this is the, there's two words that really come to mind for me and that's partnership and advocacy. And first of all, partnership with our customers to help think outside the box, but also partnership with our partners to help them really deploy and help our customers. Um, because there's, there's parts of the technology that we, um, are very capable and, and can help with, but there's parts where we need the partner um, to come in, but we also need our partnership with our schools. And, and so this was really vital to us as, as we continue to, in public sector, you know, do what we do best, right? Um, serve, protect, and educate. And this is something that um, is, is strong with Cisco. It's, it's near and dear to all of our hearts to, to just really step up like this. And as a former teacher and an administrator of a school, digital divide is a term that has been here and we've been trying to solve it for a long time. But I think now come to the forefront because of the pandemic, our advocacy and helping to really um, you know, help people within government affairs team at Cisco, but also within um, Capitol Hill and with our state work, how can we be advocates and help um, with that initiative? And that's been really important to us. 
Cybersecurity vulnerabilities have also been brought to light through the pandemic. Schools may not have been viewed as the most critical area for cybersecurity in the past, yet the pandemic has highlighted those problems in a big way. Mary, how important is a highly secure learning environment? Well, this goes to this whole partnership of um, that we've had with Orange County Department of Ed, is we wanted to make sure that we could build out this secure learning environment and, and prove it out where it's collaboration and security um, to, to truly protect our students. You know, when we look at SIPA compliance and FERPA compliance, we took it very strong into heart and we wanted to make sure that we provided a platform, a, a solution to where the confidence of our customers in Cisco would be, you know, at the utmost. And I think one thing that we noticed is we have that security arm of Cisco that does the research of security um, called Talos. And what's nice is um, we really could find the information quickly of what was happening and, and notice it with our security applica applications. So what we noticed is with malware traffic, there was three and a half times increase in malware traffic going into our schools. We were noticing over a one and a half times increase in phishing attacks on our schools, two and a half times increase in botnet traffic. And then of course, ransomware traffic doubled, right? So when we start looking at that and, and we were able to stop it, we were able to thwart it and, and take care of the problems we really you know, noticed and we said to our customers that the um, investment in security is at its utmost right now. And, I, you know, it takes a pandemic for good things to kind of come out of it. And so that's what I've said to many as we've we've transitioned and moved faster into some areas. But it also a pandemic will bring out people who want to take advantage of it. And so we have to protect. And, and our security has been a major piece in this because malicious domains and the the surgeon and those that were trying to take advantage of this at our customers' expense, we were we just our solutions took care of that, and so that was really um, great to see. As with security, there's different levels of flexibility in collaboration tools as well. WebEx, for example, combines video, document sharing, messaging, smart boards for brainstorming, and so on. Christine, any thoughts on how your collaboration tools supported your teachers and students during those challenging months? Yeah, one of the, the big um, tools that the teachers we were working with um, and were exposed to the WebEx tools was the, the smart board tools. And so they, a lot of teachers are so used to having those tools in their classroom and having kids come up to the smart board or using smart boards to interact and to be able just to have that integrated into WebEx and still kind of be able to emulate what kids would see in the classroom, I think was a huge win for a lot of our teachers. Um, so those collaboration tools and just being able to drop documents in and share right through WebEx and those features really help enhance the learning environment when you're trying to do something virtually. And it's not only the learning environment for students that we saw an effect for, but also the collaboration between teachers, between principals and teachers. Um, so just that professional learning that needs to happen too, where sometimes you're not um, able to share as much as you would like to when you're in a virtual environment, but because of all the integrated tools that WebEx has, it makes it really easy to replicate any environment that you might be in. So I would say that's um, 
then one of the big, biggest successes is just the built-in features that make it kind of a one-stop place for teachers and educators to go to. Yeah, we hear a lot about those um, all-important water cooler moments in the office where, you know, that kind of spontaneous learning and interaction takes place. Um, Mary, do you have anything to add on Cisco WebEx in the context of education and, you know, in, in that sense of just really bringing people together virtually in ways that um, get closer to the to the uh, real world experience? I think it, it applies both to synchronous and asynchronous. So when we look at WebEx meetings and we look at WebEx teams, we're seeing a collision of synchronous and asynchronous tools being used together to really enhance a learning and a work environment. And, and truly, I think the inclusivity of it has kept us more connected. Christine said it at the very beginning of this ability for us to be more connected now. And, and truly, it's, it has to be that, is that connection, and, and it shouldn't be a lot of work that's what's all keeping us kind of going, right? And I think as we go into the fall and we go into the winter months, if we see a major increase with this pandemic in, in cases and things like that, we're gonna be more restricted again. So the use and the knowledge of these tools is gonna to be important for our mental health and for our physical health, to know that we're connected with those that we work with and those that we, we play with, right? Bridge Johnson leads the education practice for Cisco Australia and New Zealand, and he's a member of Cisco's worldwide education team. In a separate conversation, Red shared some additional thoughts on the flexibility of WebEx in the education space, along with the platform's ability to scale and evolve as education itself continues to transform. You know, that's the exciting thing about WebEx as a platform. I think it's really well um, positioned to, to adapt to the demands um, of, of education as it shifts to a true digital setting. It's rich in its capability in terms of analytics as well. And I think analytics, you we think about uh, for teaching, particularly being able to get real-time insights into, into students, um, you know, their learning, but also importantly identifying students at risk. So it has a multiple sort of um, number of use cases, if you like, and and clearly with COVID, um, it's forced a whole new way of thinking in education, and I think opened up a lot more possibilities as well, which we're we're really excited about the future in terms of what you know this platform is really going to be able to drive and support in terms of true transformation across um, our education systems. Christine Olmsted picks up on the transformation theme particularly in regard to what's emerging as a hybrid model, combining the best of both worlds, virtual and in-class learning. You know, I think with online learning, um, it is, you're able to better individualize because students then get to work at their own pace. Um, I think one of the one things though that we need to be cautious about with online learning is that a lot of students still need that student to teacher interaction. So Mary just mentioned, you know, asynchronous and synchronous opportunities, and that has to be built in when we're looking at online learning environments, especially for young children. So keeping that face and that connectedness to a teacher, I think that's one thing a lot of people have missed and why there's 
you know, a big want and desire for kids to be back on campus. I think through this, um, we've seen the role that the teacher plays. And so being able to make sure that we're trying to replicate as closely to the classroom as possible with online learning, especially for our youngest learners, really needs to be paramount to what the work that we do. But we also, as educators, need to make sure we embrace the opportunities for creativity and individualized learning. So we could do a synchronous meeting together and then give an assignment that's asynchronous and most students are working on an asynchronous assignment, doing some of those one-on-one -on -one check ins or small group tutoring or different things that you need to do. Um, so really, again, making sure that when we're doing online learning, we use all the enhancements that online learning provides, but not just doing everything asynchronously. We do need that face-to-face -face interaction for those who need it. And I think that's part of that individualized learning. You have some people who can fly and don't want to ever see your face. Um, and you have others that they need that human-to-human -human interaction. And so I think just making sure that we approach um, all learners' needs when we're looking at an online environment is really important. And Mary, any, anything you'd like to add about that hybrid model moving forward? I'm super excited that the shift of technology is really in the integration of technology in the teaching and learning environments. We're able to truly support differentiation in our learning environments with this integration. Augmented reality, analytics, and machine learning will be the future of education, and the pandemic helped to slingshot the use of these technology tools for education. We've seen them, we've seen technology in the classroom, but we haven't truly integrated it fully. And now we have those abilities through um, augmented reality and analytics and machine learning. So it's super exciting. Of course, culture change can't afford to lag behind technology change. And students need to be prepared not just for the future of education, but for the future of work. Wendy Mars, president of Cisco's Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Russia region, shed some light on those challenges in a recent roundtable with representatives from the European Commission and leading educational institutions from across Europe. You can hear additional insights from Wendy on this topic in her blog, Reimagining the Future of Education, on blogs.cisco.com. I'd also like to reflect back, though, on some of the commentary around culture, because it's incredibly important. Technology will always advance and evolve, but without question, the cultural element and this piece around the experience, the journey that the students have, and also thinking about the skills of not only the, you know, the teacher and the ability for the teacher to be able to communicate in a manner where they keep the students on board, but also for the students themselves to have a, a great experience for not only now for learning, but actually building that skill set up for the future, for the jobs that they will go into um, as well. So, you know, the um, using technology and innovation as that will always continue to, to, to evolve will be a fundamental part of the nature of work, you know, as, as we all continue to transform um, and evolve there. So I think for us looking at, you know, the, um, the curriculum of the future, you know, and how we make sure that we have the ability to touch on some of those elements of, you know, absolutely, we're not all robots. You know, we need to have that social empathetic um, situation and hybrid models will be incredibly important 
um, for us all as we're able to do that. But, you know, technology and the use of um, best-in-class technology that can deliver a great experience for individuals in a full 360 manner. You know, I think it's not just about for us, um, you know, good, you know, your fundamental set of things around you expect good quality video and basic connectivity. We expect that now as individuals. We need that. Um, but also there's other sets of capability around how do we make sure that we're sharing data, information, um, learnings, that gamification factor, and all of those things that you make sure that you continue to have a feedback loop in that experience from a technology perspective. So you know, the innovation will always continue to drive. The technology sector will do, but do that. But I think, you know, absolutely the culture aspect is massively important. Mary and Christine concluded with some final thoughts on what's to come. The pandemic has been a profound challenge for society, for business, and of course for education. But as we've seen positive change and important lessons are emerging as well, and, you know, the, the new school year looms, or it's already here for some districts. Any final thoughts on what you see for education moving forward in the near term and post-COVID-19? Maybe, um, Christine, you could start. One of the things we saw um, this summer with doing a training for educators was when you're in a, a larger district and even a smaller district in, or even rural remote where you might be separated from your colleagues, um, you really can do some good collaboration using online tools. And so we had some comments through this pilot we were doing of especially our school counselors saying, oh my gosh, we never get to meet together as the school counseling team across the district. If we do, it's you know just a couple times a year. And how great it is that we actually should be using video conferencing to work with our colleagues. And so I think we'll see a lot of that as an emerging trend is that um, we will be able to see more collaboration and people not feeling like you have to drive every, everywhere to get somewhere. Um, and that you can use tools of technology to enhance your collaborative working together, both for our educators and for our students. So again, it's really this hybrid model that will be evolving, you think, and there's really no going back to strictly brick and mortar experiences, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we have to we have to embrace what's available to us. Mary, any final thoughts from you on where, where we're headed in this adventure that we're all uh, taking part in? Parents, students, teachers. I, I think if anything, it has helped us really learn how to be prepared to shift and to create new models. And many times we say in education that we are probably um, the slowest to change or the hardest to change. And, and when we look back at this model of learning that we have been in really started around the turn of the century, you know, early 1900s. And we've dabbled with, with various other models, but we've pretty much stayed brick and mortar and rows and, um, you know, the, the model of learning has been pretty traditional. This is now going to allow us to really be creative in our new models as we look to support all children. But I also want to say support all staff and faculty. But I also look at agility in these programs within our schools and the agility in our technology to support is going to be basically a given. 
because if we're not agile and we cannot shift as we need to, we're going to find that we will lose our constituents or we will we will be left behind. And so I think that's it's exciting. It's scary. But I think it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be good in the end. Right. It's just we have to keep saying to ourselves, breathe and and we can do this. This is Kevin Delaney for Cisco Tech B. My extra special thanks to Christine, Mary, Reg, and Wendy for some wonderful insights. And here's hoping that all students, teachers, and parents have a great school year with the help of highly secure distance learning. If you'd like to hear more Cisco Tech Beat podcasts, subscribe through your favorite podcast platform. And feel free to leave a comment. We'd love to start a discussion.